So right away, uh, Nick Jonas turned around. So right away then, I'm on the show. So if somebody turns around, then you're on. Yeah. And so that was cool. He turned around and, like, much more attractive in person, I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 140 of the Command of Voice. Today I speak with a former contestant of The Voice. Please welcome Savannah Woods. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice Podcast, where I interview local business owners, comedians, singers, and more. I dive into their backstory to find out how they got where they are, what are some of the tips for you to do the same, and find out where they are going. Tune in every week as I interview more of the people you see every day. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. Uh, how's your guys' week going? Um, just got through our crazy Mother's Day tour weekend. Uh, we have an encore weekend coming up as well. Um, and actually, I always forget these release like the week after I'm recording this piece. So uh, I guess last week we record, we got through the crazy Mother's Day. So anyways, something about time travel and all that stuff. Anyways, um, so today I interview Savannah Woods. Um, and you might recognize that name. Uh, she was on the season 20 of The Voice. She was a contestant on that uh, and worked with uh, Kelly Clarkson on her uh, time on the show. Um, but she's local from this area. She grew up in Stanwood. Uh, her and her sisters actually did some singing together. And then um, eventually she went more solo and then um, has continued to build her music career since then. Um, so, uh, we get into kind of all of that, like how she got started in music, um, what her and her sisters did, where they performed, and then, uh, how her career has kind of continued on past, um, the voice. Um, and we also get kind of a back, uh, a backstage, uh, view at some of these reality TV shows and how they really work. Um, I, I know everyone knows they're not real, um, but you just get a little bit more behind the curtains there. Um, so I thought that was fascinating. And um, so she just released a new EP, uh, which is available on her website, which is linked in the show notes, but it's savannahwoodsmusic.com. Savannah with no H. I kept throwing an H in there, so no H. Um, so be sure to check that out. And uh, the best way to support her is, apart from just buying her, uh, her EP, is she actually has a Patreon where she does... Uh, weekly, I believe it's weekly, uh, shows um, just for the Patreons. Um, and it, you know, can be as low as, uh, I actually haven't looked at her tiers, but most, usually they're pretty low tiers, so you can um, support her in whatever way possible. Uh, and that's just uh, patreon.com slash Savannah Woods. Again, no H. Um, so without further ado, here's my conversation with Savannah Woods. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Command of Voice. Today, I'm here with a singer on The Voice, the season 20. Welcome to the podcast, Savannah Woods. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, so before we get started, tell us a little bit about Savannah. Ooh, Savannah, she grew up in Stanwood, uh, been a local my whole life, started traveling a lot after I got out of school. We started doing, I mean, I've always been a singer, so a lot of people in the community know me and my family from growing up in, in school. I have, um, I got a lot of sisters, but I grew up in the Stanwood School District with three of them, Paige in Ireland, and we're all three years apart, so we kind of, we did a lot of music all growing up, so, um, but I didn't go full-time into music till I was probably like 20 or so, so that's Savannah, music. Family, local, travel. <laughs> nice. That's Savannah. <laughs> Very cool. So what was it like for you growing up in Stanwood then? Well, it was pretty cool. I mean, it's a small town, so it keeps you out of, a t well, it doesn't keep you out of trouble, really. I guess actually a small <laughs> town kind of puts you in more trouble. It was, it was a good time. Uh, a lot of cool people around. I liked the, the agricultural influence. I did a lot of agriculture stuff growing up. Okay. Loved nature. Did a lot of, being in Stanwood, um, it allows for a lot more of that stuff. Like, I didn't, I never took, like, any of the big sciences, like physics, biology, chemistry. Yeah. I don't know, like. I don't know a lot. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I did, instead of, like, horticulture, floral design, agriculture, I actually was in FFA, like, 
all my days, and I went to nationals and state even for singing. Okay. Future Farmers of America had a singing portion, which was interesting. I did not know that. Most people don't, and so that was kind of cool. I raised sheep, and I was in gun club. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) And all this stuff, alongside of competing in the singing portion, which is really cool. There we go. Yeah, so Stanwood Stanwood was really cool for that aspect of it yeah mm-hmm. well it sounds like you hit you know all the the important aspects of staying with the the farming community side the gun side and the singing <laughs> side yeah pretty much <laughs> very cool so you said you got started with singing very young was that something is that a family cultural thing like was your family really big into singing yeah so i was basically born into singing my dad's a singer musician his dad was in bands and some kind of kind of was a, a family thing. I mean, no one has taken it as far as I've taken it, Yeah. but it's just, I was sort of born into it. So I've been singing since I could talk or make noises <laughs> and I uh, grew up with uh, two of my sisters. We all grew up singing together with my dad. Uh, we'd sing it probably at a young age where we kind of started off performing together would be like church. We go to a unity church in Everett, uh, kind of grew up there and yeah, just born into it. Started writing music when I was like three or four. Okay. <laughs> I've just been doing it my whole life, really. So yeah. dad, dad was the influence as far as singing and plays the piano and writes music. And so that would probably be the influence. Yeah. He got us started young, which I'm very grateful for because now I've had that much more experience under my belt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So then um, as you were kind of doing this, then um, did you do... Were you focused on certain instruments or just really the singing portion? At a young age? Yeah. Would just be mostly singing, but I started taking piano lessons a little bit when I was young. Uh, But that didn't last terribly long. I learned enough, though, to build off of it. And so then later in life, I've taught kids piano and, like, beginner piano. And I know enough to, like, like, I can play, but it's... I started learning guitar because it's a lot harder to bring a piano around with you. <laughs> like if I want to go gig somewhere, you know, it's it's just a pain in the butt to bring, to find a piano or get a keyboard. Whereas a guitar, that's super mobile. Yeah. So I did learn piano a bit as a kid, and yeah, I know enough to play, but um, more guitar. But it's mostly vocals my whole life until kind of high school. I was like, I really need to get an instrument going if I want to be performing yeah. and not rely on other people okay. to back me up. So that's yeah. when I took in the guitar. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. So then um, with you, you said you were singing with your sisters. When did you guys start performing as like a little group? Well, I mean, as children, we grew up singing together. My dad would have us be kind of his like backup singers for different songs and stuff. And then we kind of did our own thing. And then I started a band called Waking Maya when I was, oh, I don't know, 20, so like seven years ago or maybe okay. before that, probably seven, eight years ago. Um, so that's when I started gigging kind of more full time. And then my sisters joined in after like five years or so, they joined in on that group as just kind of like background singers and instrumentalists. And then... Um, we started doing some more stuff on our own for a little while. Uh, and we kind of rebranded as another group called the Wood Sisters. Pretty self-explanatory name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I did a little, we performed for like a, maybe a couple of years. And I did a little Europe tour, made a little Europe tour for us. And that was really great. Um, but then we kind of are doing our own things at the moment, you know, with music super evolutionary and yeah. kind of evolves with you as a person. Like, I have a lot of different projects going on, and so they're kind of doing their own project things right now. And uh, But we still sing together sometimes, not as regularly as we did um, at that one time, but, you know, things yeah. ebb and flow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was that like? How did you get set up on a Europe tour? So, I mean, as you may know, as a business owner, uh, you kind of are in charge of a lot of things that you people wouldn't even realize kind of behind the scenes. Like yeah. people think like as a musician, I'm just performing all the time and that's my <laughs> job. And it's like that is a very minimal part of the job. Right. So I do everything from like booking, managing, promoting, media, blah, blah, blah. So with like a Europe tour, 
I kind of just called it like this patchwork Europe tour. You just kind of figure out, like with music, there aren't really like rules on how to make this a career. So yeah. you just figure it out. And so I found these different websites. There's a um, one website I used a lot was called like Sofa Concerts. And okay. so people would actually, they'd put venues or if they had a small venue or if they wanted to open their home as a music venue, they would put it on the map and put it on there. And so I went on and kind of, put together a little conglomeration of all these different venues that we could perform at and then I would hit up because I've been traveling to Europe for I mean Europe's my second home I love it since I was like 21 or so I've been to like 27 European countries it's just like I love it so I've made a lot of connections that way so then I just started basically hitting up all my friends and connections that I had made hitting up the Sofa Concerts website. There's a couple other websites I would reference. And basically, it's the same way that you book gigs anywhere else. There's no rules. You just got to go for it, send out messages, make connections. It really comes down to the personal connections. Okay. So a lot of the gigs I came that came out of it, I had they, like people I knew, knew someone, knew a venue. And yeah. Anyway, it ended up we had shows in um, Scotland and Spain and England and Italy Wow. In Germany, yeah. So we were able to kind of travel and bebop around. And it wasn't like a... I don't really desire the kind of tour where you're playing every single night. Yeah. And just like, go, go, go. Yeah. Because my passion is also traveling. Like, I want to travel and play music, like, intermittently. Yeah. So we'd kind of go to these different places, travel, maybe play a show, maybe do a little busking. And so it's kind of a good meeting point between playing music and traveling. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and how old were you guys when you did this? This was probably, uh, oh, I mean, oh, maybe I was like 25, I would say. I'd say it was like, th- no, it was pre-pandemic. It might have been 2018. So what year are we okay. in now? So that was like, oh my gosh, was that four years ago? Feels Time like is flying. Yeah. So I was, yeah, pro- I was probably like 23. Sister was maybe 21 and... 25 or something okay we were all yeah very young cool. 20s awesome very cool so um so then you guys you did this tour and then um when you came back then uh what was kind of the next step were, did you decide at that point that you guys were kind of going to do your own things or what kind of happened yeah so the tour a lot of times i like to go to europe um spring or fall my a very favorite time would be fall because it's like right after a busy summer and then tourist season's going down so by the time we got back that's kind of the reset point anyways like late fall winter is always the time where you kind of reset recollect and like what do i want to do for the next year because like i said with music and art careers it's very evolving it's not it's like whatever you're feeling basically so we came back from tour and seasons changing and it kind of was just our time to each reflect and go back and like what do we want to do the next season and because the summer summer's really the big music time yeah so we came back from tour and just um all started to kind of do our own thing um this is they also had other things going this is like my full time I don't have like other career like this is takes up all my time yeah yeah so I just kind of kept going full I'm kind of a full speed ahead type of person so (laughs) I just came back and just kind of kept going with it um I kept going with Waking Maya but then when did that I guess I guess my Waking Maya days kind of stopped when I started the pandemic I guess kind of happened shortly after that and then that's when I went on to The Voice so things just started shifting and evolving pretty quickly after that, I think. Yeah. I'm like trying to remember all these timelines. You're triggering all these memories. <laughs> well, and it's <laughs> the last two years has felt like 30. So like. Yeah, 30 and also 30 seconds. It's super crazy. This whole like the pandemic was a time warp. It feels like. It does. It's really confusing. To <laughs> think about yeah. timeline. So then. Uh, um, <clears throat> so you kind of started building your music career to some degree of just like really trying to focus in on on how to get your music out there and stuff. Um, How did the voice kind of come about then? Well, it's interesting because when I was 18, so like a decade ago, I actually tried out for the voice. But at that point, like growing up, I've just always like been a naturally good singer and like did the musicals in high school and stuff, but didn't like 
know myself as an artist really so I tried out just on the like well I can kind of sing and so I'm gonna try it so I tried out and I actually didn't even make it past the first round so like what you see on TV is not that's like the 50th round okay so there's like a very preliminary audition and I didn't even make it past that and I remember just um that was kind of like well I don't even it was like the trigger of realizing I don't even know myself as an artist and I was kind of relying on just a natural talent so then after that, when I started going into music more in-depth and full-time, um, I, I wasn't going to do the voice again because I saw kind of the audition process. And when you're doing it in-person auditions, it's kind of like herding cattle to get these <laughs> thousands of people in one day auditions, yeah. you know, yeah. in front of this panel. And, like, everybody sings for, like, five seconds. And then they're like, no, 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 yes. It was just kind of this a crap show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not going to do this again. But then... Fast forward 10 years later, the pandemic happened. I was not gigging. All my gigs were canceled. And, like, this is my job. So I turned my career into, like, an online career of, like, online music concerts and stuff. And then I get an email from The Voice, like, do you want to try out? They're virtual auditions. Okay. And I was like, okay. I could be interested in that because I just had to sit on my bed and play a song for 30 seconds to my phone. Yeah. And I was like, I can do that. No lines, no people. Like, Okay. That's easy. And so I did that, and then it put me to the next round, which is, it, it's basically, there's like, I don't know, there's maybe like 10 rounds before you even get to go to L.A. But yeah. I did, made the videos, and then they're like, okay, thanks, next round, next round. And then finally it was like, okay, we've, after all these interviews I did and stuff, they're like, okay, we want you to come to L.A., and I remember just being so stoked because this is like during the pandemic. Yeah. I've been locked up in my little tiny house. I live in like 200 square feet, <laughs> smaller than this room, um, and just performing online. And I was just like so, so happy yeah. because I got to go to L.A. and actually do this. We didn't have an audience or anything, but just the fact that I got to get out and do this because the season prior to mine was actually a virtual season, which okay. is very not... That doesn't excite me as much. Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. like at home with a camera. Like I wanted to go and play on that stage. I wanted to be around these people in this environment. So yeah, step by step by step, I finally got to go to LA. I don't even remember what your question was. I just start talking. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, real quick, I wanted to jump in and say, um, you said that they reached out to you. Was that because you had previously been a contestant or did they reach out to you because they had seen some other stuff that you did? That's a good question. Um, they do both things. Uh, the reason I got the email was because I had signed up. When you go to audition, you sign up for an artist profile on their website. So whenever they do auditions in your city or whatever, you'll get just an email okay. saying that. And then so since they were virtual, I got an email from them. It was nothing personal, but a lot of people I did audition with were found from them because they have scouts out there yep. looking at stuff online and they'll see a video and email someone yeah. but yeah no mine was just because I had already auditioned prior okay uh, yeah nice uh, so what was that like then so you finally get the the go ahead and they say we want you to come to LA what was that like from there well first was some happy tears <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was really really nice because I it, it's like I did it because of the thought of it's like I don't want to win the competition, but I knew it would kind of bump my career up to the next level because yeah. it's hard with music to get just to, I needed to get to the next level. Yeah. Um, and I've been working really hard for a really long time and it's been awesome. But when I got the, like, you're coming to LA, it was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, because I knew it'd just be that nice boost. So I had, uh, what happened? I guess I had some time to prepare, but then it just, a lot of logistics, what I needed to bring, what I needed to do, Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting, you meet the 80 contestants, and, like, it was just a lot of logistics. There's a lot of behind the scenes. They're, like, fielding you, your, you know, we had to go through, like, therapy sessions, like, making sure everybody can handle it mentally. Like, yeah. it was just a lot of things to do beforehand. Yeah. Uh, but then maybe a few months later, yeah, flew down to L.A., stayed we all lived in kind of a hotel together near universal studios and you're there for like a whole month preparing for each televised thing so like okay. the blind audition that you saw 
which is like 10 seconds long, I was there for a whole month just to prepare for that one like 10 second stage thing. Okay. Um, and at that point, do you know, like, it, is it still like the fact you got called there just means you get to go on stage and see if anyone turns around, right? Not even that, really. So okay. there's a lot of people who were there who didn't even get to audition. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So for whatever reason, there are so many producers, so many levels, and, like, the people we talk with are only, like, at the very, you know, surface level of the water. There's so many higher-ups, so you don't even know why the people make the decisions they make. The producers okay. could be demographic, what the people want, but there were people I got really close to, and they would just randomly one day get sent home, and they don't even get to know why. It's kind of just Hollywood, you know? Wow. Um, or you there's like 80 contestants and once the teams fill up they're filled up so once they're filled up those people who didn't get to audition just don't don't get get to audition wow so there was a lot of variation so even if you're going there you don't even know if you get to for sure get an audition and even if you get an audition you might not get televised a lot of my friends got auditions and didn't actually get televised okay so there's it's really like feels like a huge blessing to even get there and then to get it televised yeah and then to make it to the next round it was all just icing on the cake yeah <laughs> yeah very cool so then what was it like then you you prepped for a month to get ready for this moment uh and i'm sure during that time with all these different people that are being sent home for one reason or another you're probably like a little bit like am i even gonna make it there yeah i mean that would be a typical thought but I, <laughs> I, I had no doubt in my mind that I knew I was going to go on stage and sing. Okay. I, don't, I just kind of knew, and also that's just sort of like my mindset, uh, just like unbridled confidence. <laughs> uh, but I knew, yeah, I just I didn't have a worry that I was going to. I was very confident in what I was doing, and my demographic also wasn't represented very largely. Okay. Because I know it is a reality show, and they're looking for different people to feel to fill different audience demographics basically yeah. and think that they would want and um yeah I wasn't worried that I wouldn't get an audition um but I'm also don't like get myself worked up or really nervous like the reason we have so much preparation for that one little stage time is because 99% of the people who audition they black out during their audition right when they walk on stage they're gone wow. like, and they don't remember a thing afterward okay and people will be like oh I'm not gonna blackout whatever and they do and I was seriously like I really don't think I'm going to (laughs) blackout and I didn't which that's awesome but I it's like I don't mm, I'm just a very present I guess like and especially with intensely overwhelming situations or like really big situations it's like what are you going to do are you either going to break under the pressure or are you just going to step into it and be there and it's like it's like me talking to you you could easily be John Legend right now like (laughs) he's just another human you know so it's like it's cool to see these people and sing in front of them but at the end of the day they're just humans as well so I don't know the whole thing was just like going out and playing another show it's obviously completely different but um yeah, I was never really nervous or anxious, and I was grateful for the entire experience. Even if I got sent home before the audition, it would have been okay. I mean, yeah. I'm glad I didn't, but... <laughs> yeah. So, going on stage then, I'm assuming when you're you're kind of looking at these, you come to the situation, like, you've got, like, I hope I just make it, but then you also have, like, in an ideal situation, I would like to work with this coach or whatever. Mm-hmm. What, did you have any of that prior to this when you went on stage? Were you like, I really hope this person turns around? Yeah, yeah, so I was hoping Kelly would turn around. Um, I didn't have any doubt that someone would turn around. <laughs> this is also just me. I'm just, <laughs> I mean, you have to have confidence really to make it in this, sure. in this industry. And I've been doing it 27 years. <laughs> so I knew someone would turn around. And I was hoping that Kelly would because I felt kind of a, you know, kinship with our style of music, our kind of personality. She's very, like, grounded yet kind of, she's a little spitfire. And I like her voice. And she also came from a um, competition show. That's her fame came from American Idol. Yeah. So she's gone through that. So that's what I, my idea would, would have been, my preference would have been her, um, which she did turn around, but not till the last, like, 0.5 seconds oh, of the I song. <laughs> so right away, uh, Nick Jonas turned around. 
so right away then I'm on the show. So if somebody turns around, then you're on. Yeah. And so that was cool. He turned around and, like, much more attractive in person, I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> He's just, like, smoldering at me, and I'm just singing. I'm like, I'm singing into Nick Jonas's eyes right now. This is cool. This is very cool. Well, it's crazy to try and keep your concentration. at the, Like, I, I imagine as soon as someone turns around, you're like, okay, just keep breathing, keep going. Well, not even, because, like, before you go out, I had to put on kind of this energetic layer of just full-blown confidence, because literally, otherwise, you were going to crumble, and, yeah. like, that blackout starts stuttering when they're talking to you, et cetera. Yeah. So I just, like, when he turned around, I was just, like, smoldering right back at him. <laughs> He's staring at me. I'm playing into, kind of playing right back at him. Um, and it didn't shake my, shake anything, really. It was just, like more of a wave of relief yeah because if nobody turned around then i would be kind of like awkward yeah because then you're well, not on the show yeah. yeah yeah so it didn't shake it didn't shake me at all it was actually it's kind of cool yeah. uh, and he had a lot of nice things to say but then yeah at the very 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 last right before i ended my last note kelly turned around and nick didn't even notice because he thought he had me in the bag um, so they kind of had to fight for me afterwards, which was nice. I that's felt bad cool. for Nick, but sorry, Nick Jonas. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. And then we're, as you're coming to that last bit and you've just got Nick as a choice, which obviously is still a huge um, step forward, and you're watching, like, Kelly's chair, are you just like, do I hold this note, like, a little longer? <laughs> no, I mean, I at that point, I just thought, okay, I'm on Nick's team, and I would have been totally fine with that. Uh whoever's team I was on, really, and Nick would have been great. Um, but it was... The camera captured it, too. Like, right when she turned around, I kind of did, like, a little yeep, a little jump for joy. Because <laughs> that is, yeah, that's how I wanted, but it, whoever's team I would have been on yeah. would have been great. Yeah. The whole experience. Because, really, you don't actually work with that coach that much anyway. Okay. So. Yeah. So, tell us, what what happens after that, then? You You... Get that. You get to decide who you go with. What happens next? Hmm. What does happen next? So then is the battle round. So once you get put on a team, then your coach, and this is actually done by them, pairs you with another person on your team to do a battle, quote-unquote, but really it's like just a duet that you're singing with another person, and then they pick who duetted the best Okay. sort of a thing. So then after your blind audition, you fly home, and then they, then you come back, and they tell you your partner, your song you're doing, um, and it's kind of this whole reveal. They'll have you video yourself, like in the episode, they kind of, like with reality TV, kind of, now I see behind the curtain, so there's a lot of things that go into just these little blips. Yeah. So like all these, we started doing all these long interviews and recording us talking in our hotel room, blah, 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 blah. So then they put it together. We come back for a whole month, which ended up being like close to three months because of COVID. Okay. So it was a plan to be just the normal one month prep for the thing. Yeah. But COVID kept pushing um, uh, production because LA was shut down at the time, but I'm assuming because of the big money that the reality TV industry brings in, Hollywood yeah. and all that, they were actually allowed to stay open somehow, um, but production kept getting pushed. So we ended up being there like close to three months. Wow. Yeah, uh, working. So me and Corey Ward is who I did. I did Dreams, Fleetwood Mac, which was awesome. Okay. I was, I was very excited to get that song choice because yes, I don't even get to pick my songs. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I have an influence, but yeah. So then you practice your duet thing and same kind of deal. Then you go on stage and the day we actually did our duet song, uh, Kelly was sick and we had pushed production so many times we couldn't push it again. Yeah. So they had to get a fill in named Kelsey Ballerini, who I'd never heard of, but I know she's kind of big in the more country world. Okay. I think. Uh, so she was sat, sat in for her. So Kelly wasn't there the day of my battle, but we performed it nonetheless. Kelly apparently called in. They're like texting to each other. Yeah. I don't know. So yeah, that was the battle. And then they pick who won, which was not me, which surprised me, of course, because I'm 
my unbridled confidence. <laughs> I came into it as like, of course I'm going through. I didn't even yeah. pack my bag. Because if you didn't make it, then you literally leave right. Like, they take you right from Universal Studios back to the hotel. You pack your bags. You're gone, like, within five hours, basically. Wow. It's all a very quick process. But did I even start packing? No. Because <laughs> I do not prepare to lose. <laughs> but I did lose. <laughs> Uh-huh. But only for a second, um, because they have something called a save or a steal. So I still had the confidence that somebody would save me or steal me, which Kelly did use her save on me. Um, so each coach has one save. So if they pick the other person, but they want to keep both, they can save one people, one person. Then if you get saved, it puts you into something called the four-way knockout. So each four coaches saved people go in a four-way battle. Okay. So that is um, like the intro into the live seasons, basically. So it kind of gets confusing at this point, but because I was in the four-way knockout, I was able to come back again and prep for live shows. Okay. So like the four-way knockout was um, the intro into live. So basically, if I were to win the four-way knockout, I would immediately go from those results into a live performance. Okay. So I had to prepare as if I was going to win. So, so you all had to of do us, both. Yeah. yeah. So even though I did not win the four-way knockout, spoiler alert, uh, I did prepare for it. So like if you go online, it is on Spotify and everything, which is still cool because I was preparing to do Barracuda by heart, Okay. which would have been extremely badass. Unfortunately, I didn't get to <laughs> sing oh, no. it live, but that's okay. I got to keep the outfit and it's um, recorded online and all that. Uh, but yeah, so that was kind of that whole thing. Yeah. So like single duet into another solo performance, but it was um, against four people. And that one I did Black Hole Sun, which I got to say, that was really fun to yeah. do that performance. It was kind of like, I guess I knocked it out of the park personally. <laughs> yeah. I was like the highest like I had ever sang. The whole experience was really cool because it brought out different sides of me that I hadn't expressed your experience before because yeah. you kind of have to like step up to the occasion and yeah. I've never sang on a stage that big in front of people that big and influential so you just the things that it pushes you to be able to do is really cool yeah and even since then I've grown but I just remember during that song and with my vocal coach and she's like well what if you tried this note what if you tried this I'm like oh I can't do that she's like just try it and lo and behold I could do it and yeah. it was cool just these people to help push you to new places so I didn't care if I made it through. I didn't care if I even made it past the blind audition. So getting three or four songs out there was, like, incredible. Yeah. Because just the one, you have exposure of millions of people. Right. Well, and you mentioned um, that you didn't work um, super closely with Kelly Clarkson then, right? Yeah. As it kind of went through? Yeah. Did you have some sessions with her, though, during that time? So with reality TV, kind of what you see is what you get. And that's as much as I worked with her, basically, is what was shown on TV. And okay. that was kind of staged largely. And I don't know, with, without COVID, maybe there would have been more of yeah. that. Um, but, no, so behind the scenes, we actually had a lot of, like, we had vocal coaches, choreographers, you know, wardrobe people. So we had, actually, people working behind the scenes that you don't know watching right. the show. Right. So I actually had some real coaches. Not that Kelly wasn't, because um, I know that... It would have been more in person if it wasn't for COVID, but like maybe one band practice, she was there kind of on an iPad and Zoom um, and was very helpful, like her suggestions and she helped me pick some songs and um, stuff like that. But for the most part, the coaching was done from Another not team. her. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which was all very helpful as well. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. very cool. So what happened? So apart, you come home from that experience and that I imagine is a pretty like out of this world like experience of like you got to do this thing sometimes landing from those things is really difficult and knowing what the next step is so how did you kind of handle all of that yeah it was it was weird um because it was such a big experience like to go from like I'm I'm kind of known in the community a little bit you know like some people know who I am but then all of a sudden from one day to the next like millions of people knowing who you are and especially everybody in the community and beyond because then I'm blasted on the news stations. It was like overwhelming in a great way 
people were so supportive, especially in our community. It was like just incredible, the amount of love and support. But at the same time, it was really kind of jarring. You don't, there's no way to like put words to it unless you've experienced it. And even then there's, it's hard to put words to it. But from one moment to the next, like when my episode would air, I could just feel millions of people's attention on me. And like, it was just kind of, it was just very interesting to go from that then to come home, like the show being done. Everywhere I went, I was kind of like, people knew who I was. It was kind of just this interesting energy shift that I had to adjust to. I kind of went into like cocoon mode for a little while to like readjust. Yeah. Because I didn't know to like to feel out the next steps because that's like how I base my career is like off of what I'm feeling. And with the level of exposure that I got, it added a lot to my reputation which is kind of silly because it was like nine minutes of TV, but it really helped in the way of like, I could get gigs a lot easier. Now things are coming to me. So it yeah. was like less of like me going and getting things. And then a lot of inward reflection of like, what, what do I want? Yeah. You know, um, where do I want to go from here? And so that with that, I kind of just like took a break. So last summer was like my first summer. I've never really like gone to shows or listen to music I'm always just making my own music or going and playing shows but I kind of took I wouldn't say I took a summer off because I still was really busy and played a lot but I did kind of feel like I took the summer off to just enjoy my time Mm -hmm. and go and see I um, have a lot of friends in the Skagit music community and so going and supporting them and just having fun really I kind of needed some time to just reset, readjust, reassess. Yeah. So that's kind of how I handled that until it kind of just blended back into life. Now I feel like it's kind of blown over into a nice medium place where it's still a part of me and my experience, but I kind of also like the grind of music, you know? Yeah. Where not everybody knows who I am, and I get to kind of, you know, still, like, earn my place and go get it. Uh, so now I'm kind of back in the place of, you know, playing full time, but it did boost my career up. And so it was super helpful, but cocoon phase was necessary. Yes. Yeah. yeah just kind of having fun. Nice. So that kind of brings us, what are you doing now? What are the things that you're, you're focusing on? Where are you performing? What are the things that you're up to right now? Well, so many things. So now, um, I, when the voice started and finished, I kind of, Waking Maya ended a little bit before that just because I decided to just rebrand under Savannah Woods because that's obviously a more known name. And everybody, Waking Maya was a hard name for people to get anyway, like spelling it or yeah. on the reader boards, it would be like Walking Mayo or something. <laughs> so it's it, close. Yeah, it's close enough. <laughs> so I uh, went, started rebranding as Savannah Woods and just focusing, I mean, I have a ton of originals and then alongside that, there was a, um, another big local band called Shaggy Sweet. Some people in our community might have seen them because um, a good friend of mine, Leonard Kelly, who is the um, prior mayor, he loved, loved this band. And so you'd book him a lot for the, um, the city concert series and things. So I, I saw them one time and I just loved them. They did a lot of songs I did, but I thought the one thing they're missing was a female <laughs> singer. Yeah. So anyway, the the lead singer of this band ended up moving to L.A. and they needed someone to cover for a gig. So Leo connected us. Fast forward, I am now their singer. We've rebranded as Eden, and that is my live performance band. And these boys, I just love them to death. We have the best personal and musical chemistry. So I primarily perform live with them because it's just super effortless, fun. They came with the booker. This summer we're going to be playing spring and summer, fall, a ton of big outdoor music festival things. Um, What is it? Oh, Edenband.org is our website. Edenband.org. Okay, I'll link to that in the show notes. Perfect. And then mine is SavannahWoodsMusic.com, which also has both mine and Eden's show dates. Okay. So, like, a lot more locally, I will play with the Savannah Woods project. So, at this point, I've got, like, a few things going. So, then, let's see. Savannah Woods Band. That will be a variation of lineups. A lot of times it has um, Mandy, which is my cellist slash violinist. Um... My pianist is Andrea, sometimes drums, bass, depending on the venue. 
Like this weekend I'm playing like at the Conway Pub, so it'll just probably be me acoustic with, um, you know, some box drum or something. But on the bigger stages I'll do full band. So more locally Savannah Woods, but uh, for the bigger shows with Eden, which is more like rock, rock pop blues. Um, and I just had my first jazz practice last Sunday. So okay. I, now I have another project. With, we haven't started performing yet. That's just beginning, but that's really cool too. I'm kind of just in a space where I'm just doing everything because yeah. I have like unlimited like momentum and motivation in this area. Yeah. And I can't just have one project because... I would drag them till their wheels fell off. You know, yeah. I have to have all these things going because I'm just like a million miles a minute. You know, yeah. <laughs> as you can hear when I'm talking, I'm just like blah blah. blah. So I have all these projects going. The spring summer is going to be awesome. Um, with my Savannah Woods project, we are doing a lot of recording right now. We actually okay. just put out an album, an EP, okay. is what they would call it, because it's six songs. Um, let's see, maybe two months ago, it's called Home. Because um, one of the songs is called Home, but also because I happen to write all these songs at home. A lot of this, my songs I write when I'm in my travels. Um, my traveling ends up kind of being like a, a break from gigging, and I'll bring a guitar and do a lot of my writing on the road, then come back, bring it back to the band and everything. But these six songs, recorded all at home. Those are out now, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever you listen to your music. But also physical CDs you can get for sale on my website or at shows. Um, I also have another EP coming out next month, and that's a more... So the the home EP is like full band. Okay. The one I'm putting out next month is acoustic. So me acoustic guitar with some slide guitar. Okay. Pretty cool. And then um, I'm recording another one right now to be put out um, in the fall, and that is just with me acoustic guitar with some cello and violin and piano so it's just they're all gonna have different vibes and then i'm putting i have so much music and then i have another one i'm putting out this summer um it's actually one that i've had up uh only on my patreon uh that I recorded pre-COVID, okay. full band, with my Waking Maya people, but I'm going to release an EP of that this summer. Um, yeah, so that's, I just have a, yeah, a ton of music okay. ready to come out, honestly. So this year's going to be a big year for music. Um, and Patreon, now that I mentioned Patreon, I'm going to slip yeah. this in here. Yeah, for sure. Patreon is like one of the ways that is really a big part what helps me make um, music my career, basically. It's kind of like my insider's community. People pledge however much they want a month, cancel any time. It's almost like a monthly tip. So people, anywhere from like $1 to a million dollars. But it kind of, it's like a reoccurring thing. Then you're in my insider's community. So like my patrons get discount off merch. They've had an exclusive album on there. Like this I Am The Sun album I'm releasing this summer. That's been on there for almost a year and they were the only ones access to that or like they already have a track off of my uh, EPM releasing next month it's kind of like just my my insiders people yeah and so that's super helpful um, with you know making music my career it takes some bills off the table yeah they were they helped me get my little van which is now my touring rig so it's just it's all all things are very helpful but Patreon is yeah, so that's yeah. patreon.com slash Savannah Woods. Awesome. And we definitely have that in the show notes as well. Awesome. Um, I think I think Patreon has done such a neat thing in allowing these new creators yeah. to to not go from it you know, you don't have to go from zero to a hundred. You mm-hmm. can you can build your way to there. Totally. Um, and you no longer have to be this you know, you don't have to you don't have to like just make it and like live on nothing, you know. Exactly. It really, really helps. Yeah. It's a great tool. Yeah. And it really does help to to build up. It took me years to start it. People were like, you should start Patreon. And I was like thinking I need to just get all my ducks in a row, blah, blah, blah. So eventually I just decided to start it yeah. when COVID hit. And during the COVID time, it's great. I mean, I have 60-some patrons now. Nice. Which is just, it's just so helpful and amazing. And I have this awesome community of people, too. Um, it's like a family. It feels like it's so nice. So I'm so thankful to Patreon, the platform, yeah. and all of the people 
who choose to support me in that way because it's just like that next level like if you become a patron it's like it just touches my heart because it's like they want to take that extra step yeah. to support you yeah which is just so nice very cool awesome and before we started the podcast you mentioned something about wandering wednesdays tell us a little bit about that oh yeah let's see four years maybe like four years ago five years ago i was in iceland and just had the idea because i travel a lot traveling and music that's my life and so i had the idea that um to the name just popped into my head and the concept really just kind of like how songs come to me they're just these little downloads just popped in my head so i thought okay that's a great idea so i did my first one in iceland or my first couple in iceland with my sister she was there too so every Wednesday, wherever I am, sometimes I'm at home, sometimes in another country or state, I put out a new video um, of me singing a different song. And it's as simple as that, which there's a lot of Wednesdays, it turns out. They just keep coming. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't, I think maybe I've missed one from being sick and I had someone do it. But um, So I have a lot of songs out there with that. But then when COVID started... That turned into live stream concerts okay. instead. So my, because I couldn't gig live in person. Yeah. So nowadays, either I'll do a live stream concert or just put out a video. Like okay. today, I'll probably do a live stream concert because it's fun. Even though you're just singing to a screen, you still feel somehow connected to the people. Yeah. You can really feel like when their energy pops in and they're watching and they're commenting and yeah. it's like, oh, my family. And I'm like talking to them. Even though I'm just talking to myself on a screen, it still feels like this whole, Yeah. it's obviously nothing replaces real in-person live shows, but it was really good, especially for COVID time. So I built a lot of my community through that. Yeah. The, the the live streams for Wandering Wednesday. But that's still going, and I don't foresee it ending. So uh, I put those on my Instagram, my Facebook, uh, sometimes YouTube. But all of those things are Savannah Woods Music for Instagram Facebook. I'm probably most active on Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, I like to end every podcast with some rapid-fire questions. Oh, boy. Uh, so the first one is, what purchase of $100 or less have you enjoyed the most in the last three months? Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, uh, ooh, what have I purchased? Rapid fire. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to, maybe my dog's um, grooming session. <laughs> okay. I have the sweetest dog. She's my little partner in crime. Her name's Poppy. Um, every few months I got to get her groomed up and she looks so cute. Just got her all groomed, ready for the road. Nice. She's a big golden doodle, so she gets pretty dirty, but we're heading to Arizona soon. So, um, got her all groomed up and looking adorable and ready to hit the road again. Nice. All right. Who is the most influential person in your life outside of your family? Oh my, these are good questions. Um, the most influential that's difficult but one of them let's see i'm wearing one on my shirt right now prince is super influential um and also like other skagit artists like my friend jack mattingly is a skagit artist he's very influential to me a lot of my friends are my gosh, rapid fire is hard. <laughs> <laughs> I can never just pick one answer. That's fine. <sighs> All right. This is a fill in the blank question. Okay. I know this is weird, but I've always wanted to blank. Ooh, I've always wanted to. Hmm. Go in a hot air balloon or own a grandfather clock. <laughs> I'm like revisiting my younger years. I was always interested in really weird things. Like as a kid, all I wanted for Christmas one year was a grandfather clock for some reason. Yeah. And I had this phase of being like obsessed with hot air balloons. Ooh, okay. I know what the real answer is. It's hot air balloon related. I want to go to the hot air balloon festival in Turkey over this place called Cappadocia. Cappadocia. Yeah. Have you heard of that? I've, I think I've seen pictures from it. It's pretty badass. It's like these natural rock formations that come out of the ground and they, they build like their homes and things into it. But there's a hot air balloon festival over it. And I don't know what my draw is to hot air balloons, honestly. <laughs> it's, it's a strange thing. So that's, I guess, a good answer to that question. <laughs> All right. Perfect. All right. Uh, who is a fascinating or interesting person that I should interview next? Ooh, 
Oh my. I know so many fascinating people. I think um, Leonard Kelly would be a good one because he's the old mayor of Stanwood. I love him. That's who I go stay with when I'm in Arizona. Okay. He's a good friend of mine. Nice. Um, maybe a, a Skagit musician. Chris Eager is pretty cool. He's another big local musician. Um, also, Richard Williams, he's a big community member. He has a little studio out in Stanwood. A lot of people know him if they do music. I'm trying to think of local Stanwood Camino people. Yeah, it doesn't have to be local either. I've, I've gotten, um, I've started interviewing people from Skagit and stuff like that as oh, well. Oh, really? So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I am a Stanwood person, but to me, in my mind, Stanwood's almost like in the Skagit region, yeah. even though it's not technically, but right. I'd consider myself a valley girl. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's definitely a lot of uh, similarities. Uh, actually, when I was talking to uh, Andrew Miller on a previous podcast, he's a big Skagitonian. Okay. And uh, we were kind of talking about the similarities of Skagit and Camino and Stanwood and how they all, the way they kind of operate is all very, very similar. It has a similar versus, energy. Yeah. Versus like if you go to King County or Snohomish, like it's a very different feel. Different feel for sure. Yeah. But I don't get, I don't get south very much. I just like the feel of the country yeah. and the you know country small town vibes, the Skagit. So yeah, I have a lot of Skagit people. I mean, I could give you lists. Yes, all <laughs> and right. Lots of friends. <laughs> Perfect. All right. And lastly, what piece of advice would you give your twenty-year-old self? Oh, good question. I would tell her to. Be yourself. Be your authentic self. Don't feel the need to conform to society and do what maybe you feel is the right thing to do as a, quote, adult. Um, Because I think a lot of people growing up, it's like there's sort of this mold you're given, like what you're supposed to do, kind of like go to college, then figure out what you want to do for the rest of your life, blah, 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 blah. Uh, But I think it's really important to just listen to your gut and your heart. And some people aren't made out for that. Um, And just to be your, unapologetically, your true self. And take those chances. They could be scary. But if you have a passion or a dream or even just an interest, follow that instead of maybe the way other people are suggesting that you live. Because they're not you. And so that's what I would say to my 20-year-old self even though I kind of shortly after was given opportunities to follow that. But um, it took a while. So just be unapologetic, unapologetically yourself. Listen to your heart. To all 20-year-olds out there. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Savannah Woods for joining me on the podcast today. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us be found by other islanders like yourself. And be sure to check out Savannah's new EP as well as her Patreon page. Um, And those are linked again in the show notes below. And for more information on this episode, you can go to commandocommons.com slash podcast. That's commandocommons.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.